This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Good morning. It's good to see you today. As we, uh, as we enter into a time of thinking about worship, would you just pray with me for just a moment? Father, uh, well, prayer goes like this. Our hearts are restless until we find our rest in you. This day, wherever our hearts are, draw us to you. May we rest in you. May we worship. May we find you close. In Christ's name, amen. Well, it's a beautiful day outside. Beautiful weekend. Hope you're having a great time. I've been... uh, Outside, doing a bunch of gardening, having a, a marvelous time thinking and noticing what God has been up to. One of the things that sort of fills my soul, fills my tank, is, is the ability to be in, in the creation that God has given to us and to just sort of notice things and to, to bless God and to, to thank God for. Now, uh, I don't know if you connect with that or something else helps you out in that regard, but when I do that, I find that I'm, I'm um, finding joy in the midst of what God has been doing. And, and that, in a way, in and of itself, is worship. I'd like to suggest to you that no matter where you're at, that each and every one of us worships. Now, it, you may be like me, where you like to go outside and you, and you put your hands down in the soil and, you, and that sort of, you know, you find yourself just being... Um, your heart just marvels at things, or your mind mar. I was watching some bunnies play. They were going back and forth and jumping on one another, and I just find that my heart just sort of marvels at that. But maybe it's a, uh, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a movie. Maybe it's a flower. Maybe it's a conversation. But wherever you're at, wherever any of us are at, really, we find things that that speak to our hearts and engage our minds and draw us out of ourselves so that we begin to express something to somebody else. And when we do it, when we enter that fray, we enter the fray of worship. Now, you might think that worship is just something that takes place here, right? And worship has got to have certain attributes about it, that worship is is in some way religious. Well, not really. Worship is when you give something worth or you give something value, when you When you appreciate it, you enter into the world of worship. Now, certainly worship is important to us at Schweitzer. Worship is one of the things that we seek to do here. Worship is something that's important. In fact, you'll find in your worship bulletin today, you'll find this personal assessment. And and on that, there's a... There's a number of different elements that are, with, uh, that are printed on that personal assessment sheet. One of the elements is, is a way in which you can take a snapshot of where you're at with regard to worship. Also, with regard to grow and to serve. But you can take a snapshot of today. How do you find yourself worshiping? In, uh, in the series that we're, about, that we're entering into today, we really want to come to this place where we encourage one another... We encourage one another as brothers and sisters in Christ to enter into ways where we worship and we find that God draws us close to Him and we draw close to God. Um, worship is something that, that I would like to suggest to you, each and every one of us do. Sometimes we do it, we do it 
well. Sometimes we do it poorly. Sometimes, um, well, we can, we can worship wrongly. Sometimes we can even worship evilly. Um, when I was at a spot a, a few years ago where I was visiting a lot of churches, I found myself worshiping, worshiping poorly. Because one of the things that I was asked to do was to sort of critique what was happening within a worship space. I don't know if any of you have a mind where you begin to think about what's taking place in a certain moment or a certain time, but you begin to think, um, you know, that looks good, that doesn't look good. I was in this unique spot where I was asked to begin to critique things that happened in a worship setting, in a worship service, in a worship environment, or some place that was uniquely labeled as that. You know, and I found myself worshiping poorly because I found, found myself having a sort of a critical mind and a critical heart and I really wasn't connecting to God, but I was noticing all of the elements within the room. Um, in, the, in the scriptures, we find examples where people worship wrongly. Um, Jesus talks about a guy who when he prayed looked to make sure that everybody else around him would hear his prayer and that he would say a very eloquent prayer, but he didn't have the mind or the heart that when he prayed he wanted to worship the Father. And so Jesus said it's possible to worship wrongly. Or in the Old Testament there's plenty of examples where people worship evilly, where they, they take what isn't theirs or they, they uh, use worship or what is called worship as a place to do harm to somebody else. The Lord says that's... That's worship that's not just wrong, but that tends to, to get over into the evil side. But there's a sense throughout the scriptures that all of us can worship, all of us are called to worship, and all of us can have the benefit of worshiping well, of worshiping good. There's a story in the Gospel of John where Jesus is moving from Jerusalem to Judea. And he takes a very unique route, a route that most people didn't, didn't take. From going to Jerusalem to Judea, he decides to go through Samaria. Most people wouldn't do that. They would take another route along the river. Jesus also stops along the way, and he stops and he has a conversation with a woman, a woman at, at the well. And she's come to the well at noontime, a very unique time when somebody would come to the well. Most people wouldn't do that. And Jesus begins to have a conversation with this woman at the well. And along the way, in the midst of the conversation, the woman realizes that Jesus is, is somebody like a prophet or somebody who's able to speak to the heart. And she begins to open up her heart to him. In fact, Jesus begins to speak into some places and um, she begins to ask some questions. As he, even, in fact, asks some questions of her. And... One of the questions that has been on her mind and on her heart is, where's, a, where's the right place to worship? The conversation in the midst of that full conversation goes something like this. You'll find it in John chapter 4. Jesus, or, or the woman said, Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship? When we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped, Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain, Mount Gerizim, or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about 
the one you worship. While we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. See, worship, uh, all the way back in the time of Jesus' day, there was a point where people had great discussions about worship. And, and the discussions led to different ideas about what good worship was. And some people said good worship is when you go to Jerusalem. Because in Jerusalem, that's where God came down when they built the temple. And God filled the temple. and That's a place where God resides. And this woman who's a Samaritan says, you know what, all of our ancestors say we need to go to Mount Gerizim. Because Jacob, our ancestor Jacob, was on Mount Gerizim. And he had an incredible encounter with God on that mountain. And so that's a... That's the place to go to worship. And so she poses this question to Jesus. What's the right place to go to worship? Because I'm a person who wants to be able to be connected to God. I know a number of people think I'm cut off. Even you may think I'm cut off. And there there may be a number of things in my life where I think I may be cut off. but, But where's the right place to go to worship? And Jesus looks at her and he says, the right place is not is not really the question. That's in play. He says, in fact, because you need to know something about who God is. And so that's when Jesus says God is spirit. That is to say that God is is not able to be contained in any building. Have you ever thought that uh, that when you come to church, you know, church is a holy place. A church building is a holy place. It's a set, it's a place set apart. But this isn't the only place where God is at, Right. God can't be contained by a place like this. Certainly, places like this can be signposts for God's presence in the world. They can be markers that God um, has done something, and, and they can be great places where we can, we can interact with God. But the psalmist, the, the people who wrote, who wrote great songs, said, you know, the earth, the entire earth is like a footstool to God. Not just one place or one mountain, but the entire earth is. What can contain the God who is? What building can contain the God who is? And so Jesus says, you can't, if you ask the question about where do we worship God, you're missing the point because every place, every place in the depths or in the heights, every place has the capacity of being a place where God is. So God is spirit. He says, you can always worship God wherever you're at. And then Jesus goes on to say, if you want to worship God well, if you want to worship him so that you know him and he knows you, if you want to worship God, you've got to worship him in spirit and in truth. Now certainly um, our spirits aren't exactly the equivalent to God, right? Because we're not omnipresent. We don't, uh, we don't have the capacity to be everywhere, to do everything and all kinds of power like God does. But when Jesus says to this woman, you've got to worship God in spirit, he's, he's getting that sense that God can be everywhere and, and is accessible to us. And so what he's really, he's really pointing this woman to is, when you worship God, you need to bring everything about who you are. You need to bring everything. Your body, your heart, your mind, everything is sort of wrapped up in that idea of, of a spirit. You need to bring everything to God. And wherever it is the place that you go or wherever you seek to interact with God, you need to bring everything about who you are before God. 
And you need to open up your heart and your life and your mind and everything to God. Um, thinking about worship, a, a couple of weeks ago I was, was with some folks and there was a speaker who happens to be a pastor in, in Kansas in Kansas City, he was talking about the challenge that churches in Kansas City have because he said there's one church that draws lots of people in Kansas City and they do a great job of getting everybody to engage fully with their hearts, their minds, their spirits. They, they do it really well. And it sits out on I-70. And as, as we were in the room, we were listening to the speaker, we realized he wasn't talking about a church building, but he was talking about Arrowhead Stadium. Because at, at Arrowhead Stadium... See, he says, 70,000 people gather, right? And they gather way before, way before the event ever starts. They prepare really well. They, they come with campers and trucks and they come with all kinds of stuff and they grill out beforehand. As we listened to him, we wondered if we ought to have tailgating before church. He said, he said, but they really prepare and, and, and they bring everything that they've got. Uh, I knew I Um, a couple of years ago, I was I was heading home from the office, and it was it was like in in preseason football time. And I was heading out Division Street, and I passed a camper, and it was all painted red and white, and it had great big Chiefs insignias on the side of it. And I'm like, I've, I'm a Lions fan, and I've never seen anything quite like that. There are people who are serious, who prepare, and then. And then you go up to the stadium and, and you want to talk about a people who are engaged. You've got an open-air stadium and they give everything that they have so that they can set a world record on sound level at a stadium. And they won't be beaten out by somebody like in Seattle, but they engage with everything that they have. And then, and then they're passionate about the Chiefs, not like, not like in a season, but year-round. Just thinking about that, think about the questions that are on that personal assessment. You know, the questions that are on that personal assessment really line up with those ideas about preparing, engaging, and, and then seeing how, how worship is lived out in the fullness of life. When you, when you get ready to worship, you know, do you bring everything that you have? Do you prepare? Do you engage? Do you, do you see that worship carries you someplace? And it makes an impact, not, from, not only from in this place, but does it make an impact from here out to there? One of the things I, I do in my own life to, um, to prepare is, is I've learned that I can gain a lot of um, richness and a, and a lot of feedback and just sort of putting my heart and mind in the right spot by, by focusing on some, some pictures or using some artwork along the way. One of, one of the favorite pieces of art that I have is, is this piece. And this it's actually, I was um, watching, uh, oh, what movie is it in? The Monuments Men. This picture shows up in Monuments Men. And this is uh, by an artist by the name of Van Eck, painted in the four, 14th century. And it hung in, a, in Ghent, in a cathedral in Ghent. But what I love about this painting is that it, it speaks so richly of the fullness of Scripture to me. And like when I'm at a spot where I've, I need to be reminded of what God is doing and what God is up to, when I look at this, I see so much that is 
taking place and so much that's transpiring and so much of the pages and the story of Scripture alive that it just sort of puts me in a spot where I'm ready to worship. Because what you see is you see that there's a garden taking place. There's a garden setting. And in the background, there's a city. We know the whole creation story starts in a garden, right? And then... And then the book of Revelation takes us to another garden that's in the city of God where God wants to be united to all of the world. There are people in this painting that that are at the four corners of of this reality. And the four corners, with people in the four corners, reminds us that um, there are people who come from the four corners of the earth. And in the center is a lamb that's on an altar. And you can't, we don't have this focused in very well, but that lamb is alive and that lamb is beaming because Christ himself is alive. And the father's pictured with a son and a, and a dove right in the center at the top. And then there is this, this fountain that's down below. This fountain that has water springing up from it. And when I look at this, when I look at this picture, it's just like there's so much going on and there's so much that of the narrative of God that just draws me in and brings me to a spot where I'm like, God, I'm, I want to worship you. I see what you're about and I see what you're doing and I just want to, I want to bless you and I want to bring all that I have. And I'm really thankful for people like, like Van Eck who gave himself to preparing and to thinking about God and to, to worshiping God so that he could, he could paint a kind of picture like this. I don't know what you do, what fills your heart in, in preparing or what gets you to a place, but, um, but we're invited to do that so that we can come to a spot where we can really engage. Have you ever found yourself in a spot where it's like we're supposed to be in worship but you're not engaged? Um, you know, if you prepare well, maybe there's, in that sense of preparation, you can get to those places. And then thinking about what flows out of that. How does, how does what happens in a room like this to determine your weeks, the days, the places you go from this place? So worship is, in many ways, really supposed to do that. Jesus said to this woman at the well, if you want to worship, worship in spirit and in truth. Spirit's the capacity we have to bring everything we are to God. And truth is that reality that God has to meet us. God wants to meet us. God wants to draw close to us. God wants to speak into our life. Because if if worship is only a one-way street, it's not really worship, right? When Moses is out walking in in the wilderness, it's because God draws close to him and he lights a bush on fire and he speaks into Moses' life that it becomes a place of worship. When Isaiah is is uh, going through life and he's got this great sorrow because the king has died and he goes into the temple to pray. It's not just the prayer of Isaiah that, that makes his experience life-changing and transforming. No, it's because God draws close. What makes worship really good is not when the band is really killing it or not when the, when the sermon's really great, but it's when God draws close and he begins to speak into your begins to speak in your ear. He begins to speak over you and he begins to speak truth in your life 
just like he does with this woman, because when Jesus draws close to this woman, he begins to speak into her life about who she is, but not only who she is, but who she's meant to be. He begins to unlock the chains that bind her, and, and he begins to write another narrative in her life because she thinks that she's only got one story. Like, I'm on the outside. And Jesus says, you're not, only on the, you're not just on the outside, but you are made to be connected to God. True worship is when Jesus begins to draw close to us. This last week, I was out on the playground with my grandmother. She came with my parents for a visit. And I was reminded about, I was reminded about all the truths that she's spoken to me over the course of my life. And one of the truths is just this. You know, you're never too old to have fun. You're never too old to play. You're never too old to enjoy life. She speaks all kinds of truth. She tells me about her early days when she grew up through the Depression. She speaks all kinds of truth and has done that over the course of my life. But I'll never forget when I was, I was about ready to go off to college. It was after lunch. My grandfather had gone into the basement to take a nap. And she said, I want to show you something. And she went and she pulled out her Bible. And she turned to the last pages of Ecclesiastes. And she said, I want to tell you a story about a young man who had all kinds of pursuits and he pursued all kinds of pleasure and he pursued all kinds of joy and he pursued all kinds of of significance. But here are his closing words. And the end of the matter is this. Worship God and obey His commands. And I listened and my first reaction was like, Grandma, I know that. I know that deal. I've already come to that place. I've said yes to God and I'm, I know that God's called me into the ministry and I'm, I'm headed to college to study, to be a pastor. I know all that. But then I took a step back and I just realized that my grandmother was living out her worship and her devotion to God. And then it was like God came into that room and God just simply said, pay attention. Truth is right here. And it's not just your grandmother speaking. It's not just the pages of Scripture speaking. I'm speaking to you. Worship me. Obey my commands. See, worship can happen any place. Worship can happen at a well where Jesus draws close to a woman and he begins to speak truth into her that she hasn't heard for a long time about who she is, about how God loves her. Or worship can take place in a kitchen where you hear once again this call, this eternal call to open up your hearts and just no matter where you go, worship God. Or worship can take place in a room like this. Where God takes some elements like a cup and bread. Basic elements of life. And the Holy Spirit is poured out upon them. And they come to us. They're offered to us. And they remind us that our hearts are hungry and our souls are thirsty. And there is one who longs to meet us 
on the journey of life. There's one who longs to walk alongside of us. And it's God himself. Friends, there are moments in life when we take up and we worship all kinds of things. We can worship people. We can worship poorly. We can worship wrongly. Jesus says to this woman and he says to us, worship in spirit, worship in truth. Come to me, I'll fill you. Come to me, I'll satisfy your thirst. Your hearts are restless. In me, they will find rest. As we come to this table today, as our ushers come and help us celebrate communion. I pray that this moment, we pray that this moment would be a moment of worship where God draws close to you and He reminds you of who He is and who you are and how He loves you. May you love Him in return. Would those of you who are serving come?